Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's always great. It's always great when your team is seven and four right now, and it's really hitting on all cylinders. I didn't know it until Zach Taylor said it after the game that this is the first time that they've been undefeated in the month of November since 1982. So we love it. Oh, that's wild. I didn't even think they've been undefeated. I I don't know. I never put it together. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, nope, I didn't have those stats um, written down. But I think one of the biggest things right now, and and I want to focus on defense first, is this team currently won three games in a row for the first time this season. And I feel like that obviously says a lot because a lot of the focus when you started the season was they're 0-2. They can't win an AFC North division game. Yes, they only have one win right now in their division. But here they are when it feels like football matters, how you're playing matters, getting hot at the right time matters. And it's not easy with the back half of the schedule, but they sit at seven and four right now. And that's pretty, That I feel like that's incredible after starting known too. Yeah. Gone are the days where uh, we get every week. Is this the week the offensive line is going to finally uh, play up to what they were paid? Is this the week they'll finally, whatever. It's just, yeah, it seems like everybody's finally settled in, gelling. They're playing up to their potential. They're one of the best teams in the league. They still, it's still an uphill battle, even after this win. They still have to face a bunch of tough teams down the stretch here, but it feels much 
better than it did early on. Yeah, let's stay with defense right now because obviously a lot of talk was when DJ Reader returned, and that's huge for this defense, not only on the field, off the field, as a captain, as a leader on this defensive side of the ball. And let's let's talk about him because it's a little odd. I guess PFF earlier changed his grade of what it should be than what it really is, and some people didn't feel like it was fair. But DJ Reader is a factor, and he is back on this defense right now. Yeah, the PFF thing is like they, they can do post-game adjustments also. I don't know why they put the grades out so early if they're going to adjust them because then you get the whole sensationalism. A 50? What do you mean a 50? Whatever. And then they bump it up to an 80 and the quiets everybody down. I think this happened with Quinn and Williams earlier this year too. This isn't just a Bengals-DJ Reader thing. It's like for some reason both interior defensive linemen and both like Hey, I, I think uh, that guy played better than that. And then suddenly they, they're boosted 20 or 30 points or whatever. I don't know how the grading system works. I know there was a play last year. I only know this because somebody told me because he had the PFF like play by play, whether they get on this type thing. And it was a play that reader destroys his block, gets into the backfield, doesn't make the tackle, but forces the ball back into his help. And I was told he got a minus for that. And I was like, he got a what? <laughs> because it's really hard to do. So I don't really know what the grading thing is, but it ended up coming out about where I put him. Like it wasn't a perfect reader game, but it was a very, it was a good game. Just not, he's still not at that elite level he was early on in this season, but he's at like a good level. He's, he looked better this week than he did last week. Yeah, and that's huge when you look at the team that you're facing. It's a physical Titans team. This game was going to be tough for them. Some would say, oh, some wins are going to look ugly or they're not going to look like, you know, it's an offensive game or how it's going to be play out defensively. And I just felt like they showed up. Credit to Lou, but there are other players on the defense that I do want to point out. And let's go to the cornerback room. Cam Taylor Britt, it seems like he is starting to really be effective week by week as he gets more starts as a rookie. This was the game for Cam Taylor Britt, and he showed up and proved why this was a game for him. Loves to tackle, loves to hit, loves to take on blocks. What does Tennessee do? They run the ball. So he got to show out a little bit on that stuff. But he went above and beyond what would be expected, as we all know, with the forced fumble. I mean, that play is just extreme hustle it's just i don't know above and beyond what he is asked to do so not only did he play well played up to his strengths but he got to do it um as well as make that play he made a couple hits in the run game that i think were also just really nice um i don't know he had the one play that whatever he got dunked on again <laughs> it's the second time he's been dunked on now but other than that i thought he played really well let's talk about eli apple uh i think one of the concerns when cheetah goes down you think about the cornerback room you have cam taylor Britt out there you have eli apple out there and it still would be amazing to have cheeto on this defense because he's one of the best defensive players on this team but what did you think of eli apple on sunday i thought apple was the best coverage corner um, maybe the best coverage defensive back in this game. I don't know if this is a consistent thing, but he broke up, what, two, three passes, was in good position the entire game for the most part. Um, the only routes that he gave up any 
yardage onward things that were like beaters for the coverage so like they just got to blame somebody so they're going to blame a, a five six seven eight yard route out route on him even though like that's not really reasonable for him to be expected to be able to cover that that was just the coverage call um really liked his game guy we haven't talked about though mike hilton i thought he was the I best was do it uh, next. in general <laughs> okay his run defense i know we just talked about it with uh cam taylor Britt. Mike Hilton, what three tackle for loss, just consistently getting in there and fitting the run. I mean, this guy is, he's just, yes, he's a corner. He's also a linebacker. I think we're just at the point where this guy is just part of the run fit. He's part of the main part of the run defense. He's somebody you have to game plan about. You can't just run at that corner. A lot of guys like to run at corners. Don't run at that one. <laughs> so uh, just, Shout out Mike Hilton because he made some solo stops on Derrick Henry. I know he's, you know, he's hitting them low or whatever, but he's given up like 70 pounds, yeah. I think, and like five, six inches of height. It's like, yeah, this is like David Goliath thing. And he took him down three times. Yeah, they're the one tackle for loss. I mean, like you said, around three times when he when he's taking Henry down and just little Mike, little Mike running after he makes the tackle. And just the size comparison is absolutely insane. There's the meme out of everybody knows the Derrick Henry, the, the famous uh, meme of him and, and next to another football player and just how big he is. And they've changed it to Mike Hilton is Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry is the little guy. Um, so Mark just right Ingram. I, Mark I Ingram, that that's, that's my bad for not giving Mark Ingram some love over there compared some to Some love, yeah. That's my bad for not calling him Mark Ingram as the little guy. Little guy, little guy. Mike Hilton, no. But but just overall with this team, um, you know, it's crazy because I feel like it was the same storyline going into that playoff game. Derrick Henry was actually coming off an injury for the playoff game. So it's a tad bit different when you're, when you're getting in the swing of things. And then there was talk up to this game, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, I'm going to be able to run the ball. And Lou and his defense is like, no, no, not so fast. Why is why is this defense just so good at stopping this guy? They, um, it's like a very cliche thing, but I think the biggest thing is just it's all eleven has to the football. It's just, it's not. There are solo tackles, like I mentioned, with Mike Hilton making one. Logan Wilson had one. Sam Hubbard had one. Like those happen, but for the most part is one guy hits Henry, then another guy hits him, and then they've got four guys pushing him backwards. So not only is he getting stopped in his tracks, but he's not able to fall forward with that six-foot-three whatever frame to pick up another two yards or so. Six-foot-two yards. <laughs> so if he just falls forward, he gets two yards. Uh, but they're hitting him and making him fall backwards. It's just such a team effort to stop the run when he's in there. And they play all these different – fronts and uh, they do use some run blitzes and all this other stuff to try to stop Henry. And then when he goes out, it's just a completely different defense, but they devote so much time and resource to stopping Henry that I think they see the fruits of their labor at the end of the game where he ends up with two something yards per carry and overall wasn't much of a factor other than the screen pass getting yeah. gashed through the air, which, Oh man. I don't think they saw it, but one of the one of the guys gets blocked okay. And I was like, oh, did he see the screen pass? Was he avoiding 
was he trying to get in the window? No, he just he was just rushing the quarterback after. I don't know. Uh, they did such a good job on screens on every other play. Cam Samples tackle for a loss on a trick play screen thing. Um, all these other stops, but then you just let one slip through the cracks and Cam Taylor Britt makes an amazing play. Jesse Bates caught heat for not being able to stop it on a dime in poor field conditions to fall the opposite. He's running back into the right and the ball falls down behind him to the left. So he has to both change his momentum. He's going backwards. So he has to come forward now and he has to move from left to right. It's just, there's no shot. He was making that he's going to be the one that's going to be able to dive on that ball. If you go back and watch, there's some guys that stopped running and Bates wasn't one of them. So that's just the, you know, like I hear this effort thing with him. It's like, no, he was one of the only guys to follow the ball. The entire. If he gave no effort, he would have just dove at Henry's legs and then just snapped his fingers, gone, oh, shucks, I didn't get him. Yeah, no, I, I do. I agree with you. I think there was there was double team effort there. Obviously, Cam Taylor Britt knocking the ball down and Jesse Bates tries to get it, but his body is switched around and it'd be super. And it's, bad, it's a bad field. Like that was the. Everybody's comment the entire game is just like, oh, look at all these guys slip. Well, yeah, when it's a bad field, he can't just stick his foot in the ground and fall. Uh, it's just Madden brain. It's like in Madden, I can stop on a dime and fall down if I just hit square. But uh, in the NFL, you know, he actually has to probably take two, three steps to change his momentum and then be able to dive and gain ground going towards the ball. Whereas Traylon Burks just literally has to keep running and then fall on it. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, if, if he would have landed on it, what a play by the defense because I thought it was over. I'm like, this is over. It's going to be a Derrick Henry kind of day. And like you mentioned, I mean, he, he threw – Tannehill threw it to him. Um, but he just – he went right through to the defenders and something we've seen before from Derrick Henry. But it also looked like Ryan Tannehill, I know he's been battling injuries this season. He hasn't played the full first half of the season, but he's had an okay season and he was coming off a pretty hot start. And it just felt like Lou was like, we're going to we're going to make you beat us in the air. And yes, he had two throws or the, the one throw that Cam Taylor Britt gets burned on. But other than that, he couldn't really do anything. And it really just felt like defense. It's going to be one of those defensive games from this unit. Yeah, once again, uh, Lou got into a little bit of that soft, soft cover two stuff where he's backing everybody up 15, 20 yards and just letting them eat slowly down the field and it worked because Tennessee missed the field goal in the end of the half but it is very much when I go back and watch I'm just like oh yeah they're just they're just throwing it like uh, five yards where nobody is every time mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's there eventually it's just very Ben don't break use up the rest of the time he did that at the end of the not the end, but like the fourth quarter, right before the final drive, it felt like he did the same thing where he's just like, let's keep it in front of us and just keep allowing all these short completions and runs to, well, not really runs, but the short completions to just slowly work their way down the field. Yeah, you could really tell that. And it just felt like, I don't know, early on, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a four quarters with this defense just really performing today. And we saw that really early on against Tennessee, which, again, I said it before the game. I don't feel like the Titans get enough credit. I know what their wins look like and, and who they've played. I know the division is pretty weak in the AFC South. But overall, they're still a tough team. And that's a huge win for this team defensively with what you're going to be facing the back half of the schedule 
And next, we're going to get to the offensive side of the ball. Joe Burrow, you're without Jamar Chase, without Joe Mixon. You get Trent Irwin making a key catch. T. Higgins uh, with a great touchdown catch, too, and more when we talk about the offense on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati offense. It feels so odd to talk about the offense in the second segment versus starting the show off with it, but we're not getting the defense enough love so far this season, and they really deserved it for the performance in Tennessee. Let's start with number nine, Joe Burrow. You know, early on, he's working with a pretty miserable field, thanks to some really poor special teams flags. And I'm sure they heard a few few choice words from Darren Simmons, because when you're backed up that far, it's going to be a little hard to move your offense. And and like I said, Tennessee, they're tough. Their defense is still legit. I know they had some injuries, too. But at the same time, it was hard for Joe to really get anything going when he's all the way backed up in the end zone. Yeah, I mean credit to Ryan Stonehouse, my guy, my punter, uh, could be a Bengal, but <laughs> he was, he was booming them. He had one that went 71 yards, <laughs> whatever. That's just, that's just a freak punt. But, um, he was booming them, but it, like he kicked a couple touchbacks and like, that's not a loss for the punt return team until they pick up a penalty and they had three straight punts punt returns where they got a penalty, a holding, a block out of bounds penalty thing. I, I, I'm not a special teams expert, <laughs> but you can't do this stuff. It's just, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. The game started with five straight punts and it's just, they were losing the field position battle the entire time because one, they were, uh, the Titans have a good punter. Bengals, Crispin punted well too. Yes, he did. Let's talk about the offense. I'm gonna talk about the punters for five minutes. I know. Uh, I was about to get into it. I was like, no, we are talking about the offense. We'll get to special teams later. <laughs> but you brought it up. It was just like, I, yeah, the I field position, the field I possession did. was so position was so bad just because they kept getting, picking up these penalties. It, you know, credit to Tennessee for hitting the punts, but it's just they made it. They shot themselves in the foot and made it worse. So they'd catch a ball at the ten, but they pick up a holding penalty. Now they're starting at the five. It's just. You can't do that. <laughs> they got away with it because eventually the offense started rolling and they got some better field position and all that. But early on, it was very much this offense is stifled and Taylor, not unsurprisingly, is kind of calling a little conservative because he's backed up into his own end zone. 
Yeah. And some of my favorite Joe Burrow moments though, because I really did feel like it was more in the second half when they when they were getting it going. And honestly, without penalties, I feel like this team would have probably rolled in this game um offensively if they had the better field position. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I really felt like just the way the defense was playing that they really could bounce off of that offensively. And it's just unfortunate with what he was dealing with, but was able to run for a couple first downs and just how Joe Joe Burrow doing Joe Burrow things, it makes me nervous every single time he starts running because I just know they're going to hit him. And I'm like, no, they're allowed to hit you right now, even though he did get the roughing the passer uh penalty, which Joe never gets. But at the same time, just him seeing the field and running for some of those plays and yardage, it was like, that's Joe B. That's Joe Burrow. That's who we saw in 2020 his rookie year, even last year in 2021, making plays if he doesn't see something with his legs. Yeah. Like I kept hammering, I don't think he was going to take a lot of sacks this game. And then he goes out and if something's not there, he's not what I thought he did in the Titans game in the playoffs when he saw like the oh, they have that covered. Well, I'm going to go make something happen, but he'd do it, which this is smart in a lot of cases by rolling out and trying to extend the play that way or, you know, stepping up and just sitting there and trying to get the pass. Here he was just like, I'm just going to take what the defense is giving me. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to pick the pick up the first down or pick up five, six yards this way. And it was great. It worked. It, it's when you're not allowing a sag, they have this perfect coverage and then you still pick up five, six yards. That's great. Like that's, that's good offense. So I thought he played well. I don't think it was the greatest game he's ever played, but I thought he played well. Um, I mean, the pass up the seam to Hayden Hurst was incredible. And then oh man, if you go back and watch T was actually open for what could have been a touchdown, but I'm not, I'm going to ignore that because he made an incredible, he made an incredible pass. So T ran an out and up and the corner bit on that out and it it was there. But I I think that uh, on the play, Burrow is trying to just in rhythm, hit the bottom of his drop, see Hurst, I can fit this ball in there and just an incredible layered ball to get it over the linebacker in front of the safety, perfectly put in place, can't complain. And uh, that, that pass was up there for one of my favorite passes from Burrow this season. Yeah, I think early on he was he was missing a couple guys, but then he really got it going. And obviously this offense is still different without your number one receiver. We'll get to that later. But the T. Higgins throw reminded me of when Joe Burrow said, I can't even remember what game it was. Maybe it was against the Ravens, but if I'm wrong, someone will let me know. When he said, I just said, you know, F it. Jamar's <laughs> down there somewhere. And it felt like he did that with T. Higgins, like that jump ball. He's like, he's going to get it every time. And if he didn't get it, he's going to get a pass interference call because <laughs> – that dude was on him too at the same time. I know some people are like, oh, that's offensive pass interference. But oh, man. T. Higgins jumping up again. That's just what T does. That's what T does. And you you mentioned one where you felt like he was open for a touchdown. The T. Higgins drop early on. Oh, the, the right curl. There. It hit him right in the hand. It was That was a good throw too. It was like really good timing, uh, fit in a window. And then the ball just whatever. T has it outside of his frame. It didn't hit him in the body. It just – hit the hands and fell down. <laughs> I don't know, but T had a heck of a game, so can't really complain about it no. too much. 
No, not at all. And I think this was just showing people, we've talked about it plenty of times. And of course, Bengals fans are going to hype up their wide receivers and say, this is the best trail in the NFL. I truly believe that. Um, I know it sounds like a little bit of a homer, but when you get T Higgins, you get Jamar Chase and you get Tyler Boyd all healthy on the field together, that's really hard to defend. And we saw that a lot last year in 2021. But overall, T, yeah, no, it was so good to see him get over 100, get a touchdown because we talked about it in the Steelers game. Him putting up 150 in like 15 minutes and not having a touchdown just didn't feel right uh because he had himself a day but he really stepped up and I think he's showing everybody who watches the NFL yes I'm a wide receiver number one the Cincinnati Bengals have two wide receiver number ones on this team and that's a good problem to have yeah in the four games that Jamar Chase has missed he is on pace for over 1500 yards if it was a 17 game pace and I know four games isn't a big sample size but that's also a quarter of a season so that's off the tee. He's uh he's he's gonna get paid like a number one receiver. I hope it's in Cincinnati because this core the trio, Burrow, Chase, and Higgins is just that's a Super Bowl caliber offense. You just figure out the rest. Without Higgins, it turns into just like, okay, we need to put together a lot of okay to good players in there too. Um, but yeah, oh, he's had he had an incredible stretch. I thought he was doing really well the first two games where he didn't have the stats. I was just like, yeah, but I think this is going to work out. And then my take came true. So I was glad. I, I was glad for me and the Bengals that T Higgins has shown that he is that dude. Also that uh, throw to Higgins for the touchdown that was against Roger McCreary. who's like five foot 11 with 29, 28 inch arm. He had like the shortest arms ever me- measured at the combine. So yeah, just put it up there. And I don't think he's going to catch one over the six foot four, like gangly wide receiver. There's, there's this guy on social media on Twitter and I don't remember his handle, but every week he posts uh, T Higgins mossing a cornerback on his Twitter picture every single time it happens. He already has the Titans picture up when, when T goes up and grabs it. But, you know, T does have those moments. And I kind of want to stay with the wide receiver group right now because, you know, you think early on in the season, if T plays in the second half of the Steelers game, if T plays in the Baltimore Ravens Thursday night game, it's just like it's a whole different offense because they really get rolling when all those guys are together. But early on in the season, when we saw this offense struggling just a tad bit, there was criticism that maybe you're forcing the ball to Jamar Chase too much and you have other playmakers. You need to be creative. Give it to this guy where you're not using Tyler Boyd more. And of course you want Jamar Chase on the field because this offense is better when Jamar Chase is out there, but to be three and one and showing Joe Burrow doing what good quarterbacks do You look at a guy like Trent Irwin, who made a key catch in the game. We know he scored a touchdown last week, but a key first down on third and 13 in the game. I know it was challenged, but it was a great catch. And he was able to pull it in. And I don't I don't think they were going to overturn it. But at the same time, that's credit to your quarterback. I feel like he did that with CJ Uzama when he was here. No offense to CJ Uzama, but you know, CJ hasn't seen the end zone in New York yet. And how many times was he utilized in Cincinnati early on? And he made him look like tight end number one on, on a lot of teams. And he got CJ paid. You look at a guy like Hayden Hurst, who's kind of having his second go around early on. He's a young guy in the NFL and proven like, hey, he can really he can make other people look good at their jobs. Yes, it's pretty easy to do with T Higgins, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase. But there are other players on this team that it just it's that Joe Burrow factor. And we're really starting to see that. So going three and one, 
without Jamar Chase right now. And all signs are pointing that he's going to return for this Chiefs game and that maybe he could have went versus the Titans, but they just wanted another week, which I think is smart. You don't rush the guy back. He had limited practice. He wasn't on the rehab field and just a huge boost for this offense, but they've learned how to win without him. And I think that's telling. That's what we learned about this team over this this month stretch. Yeah, this was uh, the Jamar Chase injury was actually kind of a catalyst for growth. It was uh, now you can't rely on Chase. So what's the offense? And like, yeah, you can lean on Higgins sometimes. And I I, I think I tweeted both games just like let Higgins be the engine of the offense because it's like they can't cover this guy. But at the same time, they have a more cohesive offense because Chase missed time because they have to get to all this other stuff. They have to, you know actually work within the scheme to attack, you know, stretch the defense vertically, horizontally, whoever put a defender in conflict, that stuff. They didn't always have to do that early on in the year. They could just, do we have one-on-one with Jamar Chase? Okay. I'll throw it up. Do we not? Okay. I'll find T on the dig. T didn't run a single, Oh, well, sorry. T didn't catch a single dig route, I think over the past two weeks. And those were two games where he went over a hundred yards. Like that's his, his play. And they didn't even need to get to it. They got him over 100 yards both games, and they didn't even need to do that. They had him on every other route imaginable, and uh, he excelled at it. But, yeah, I mean, when Joe Burrow's throwing a back shoulder ball to Trent Irwin on third down, he's just – that's like a heat check to me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> third and 12. Like, yeah, I'll just throw one back shoulder to my wide receiver four. You know, I'll just throw one to this undrafted guy. <laughs> he comes out with it. But you remember the trade deadline when obviously they lost Cheetah. Oh my goodness. Uh, why didn't we trade for DJ Moore? Why didn't we trade for Jerry Judy? Why didn't we trade for all these guys that was going to be like a first round pick or plus to get? Yeah. Why didn't we trade for that guy? It was just like, relax. Like they, it, it's not, if you can't win without Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow wasn't the $50 million quarterback he's going to be. T Higgins is not the $20 million wide receiver he's going to be. And like this entire offense and Zach Taylor might not be the guy that you want him to be. Well, they went three and one and they looked fine. So <laughs> I think these guys are who we think they are. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the the biggest things with it. We, I know this sounds odd to say, but I feel like we should trust the front office a little more and I get it. Patience level is not super great when you drop a Monday night football game like that to the Cleveland Browns and you're without Jamar chase, you lose your cornerback and Cheeto that night. And it's like, Oh, this team doesn't make moves. They're not making moves, trade draft picks, trade it all away. And not thinking of what your salary cap would look like in 2023 when you have to pay guys who are on your roster right now and then take up somebody's contract, which wouldn't be smart. And who knew all along that, Hey, maybe they have their wide receiver number four on this roster. And yes, you know, there were some questions like, why didn't they put him on the short term IR if he was going to miss all this time? They were hoping he was going to come back a little bit earlier, but they had that benefit of they didn't need to play him. He didn't play in the Titans game and it, and it worked out. He also got to practice a week earlier. He wouldn't be allowed mm-hmm. to practice until that's this true. week. That that's they said that I didn't even think of that, but I think it was Taylor said like, yeah, I don't regret doing that because he got to practice a week earlier. And I was like, oh, that's smart. I didn't even think of that. But like, like we were talking about, if there's a 10 percent chance Chase can play against the Titans, you roll the dice. and You don't use the IR slot because who are you picking up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, It's just like 
uh, I guess you could have you could have got Sidney Jones, but they weren't that interested anyway. So this isn't like the Madden of like I got to put him on IR so that I can manage this, and then eventually, then you got to cut a guy once he comes back. Whatever. It's just I don't think what what is the percent increase you get at winning a game because you picked up some depth piece because you got to put Chase on IR like you're probably just moving a guy up from the practice squad, right? Because they're not really signing these guys. And well, we talked about it on the podcast. I think a lot of people had to remember that any receiver they were bringing in or using was going to be their fourth receiver. None of these star receivers wanted to come into this offense and be the third or fourth wide receiver. That is not ideal to them. So it was never going to work out. That was the biggest thing when people were talking about trading for guys like Elijah Moore or DJ Moore. It's like Elijah Moore's mad he's not getting playing time right now on a winning team. It's not going to be better if he comes here and then after four weeks you go, okay, Elijah, back to the bench. Maybe you'll get 20% of snaps this week. It's like, no, he's not going to be happy. <laughs> and then, I don't know. It was just, it felt very much like, uh, okay, so what do we do then? And then people would say, like, ah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It's like, what? No, we got to think about that now because you're blowing a second round draft pick on a guy that is going to get mad and not want to stay here. Yeah. And this team values draft picks. They just do. There, there are some people, the Los Angeles Rams sold their soul for that Super Bowl and they, they were won. able to get it and they got it. And that's all that matters. And look at them right now. Uh, you know, injuries obviously is not on their side. Uh, they are, they're having some uh, health and in- health issues right now. And it's, it doesn't look super great over there, but yeah, you're right. It, it paid off for them. It works for some front offices and others value it a little more. Um, and, and Cincinnati, I feel like they made the right decision to work with one of their guys that was on the practice squad. And Hey, look, he's been a factor in both of the games right now. Um, I can't wait to see what Jamar Chase looks like with this offense now, because it feels like it's at its best. And it feels like a hot take when I say this, but it just feels like this offense is better than last year. And that's, a great thing rolling into December right now. We'll see what it looks like in, in the outlook because I know some people feel about any of the comparisons to last year, but uh, there's still more to talk about with this offense, the running back room. I want to hit a little Hayden Hurst and then our guy, Teddy football and more when it comes to the offensive line on it's always game day in Cincinnati. This is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We'll see what some of the playmakers right now. Hayden Hurst. There was one catch that he had, and it only went for like two yards, but he jumped over the defender, and I was like, we, we love we love to see it. And then also his blocking. You can check it out on Twitter. I know you have it over on Bengals underscore Sand. Some of the, the Hayden Hurst blocks out there. Plenty of people are pointing out what, what he was able to do in yesterday's game. What did Hayden look like to you? Oh, man. He looked good. Uh, the main block that you're going to see everywhere. I didn't even post it because uh, my guy Ben Fennell. Fennell? <laughs> He's one of the guys that does uh, the graphics for, I think, Fox. But anyway, he uh, posted Hayden Hurst just leveling Bud Dupree. And oh, my goodness. It was a, it was an RPO. They threw the ball and Higgins caught like an eight-yard, uh, I think it was an out route. So, like, you didn't need to do this, but he's doing a SIF block. A SIF block is you've got the offensive line working to the right or left, but in this situation, they're working to the right. He's going to work all the way back to the left and just block the end. A lot of times you cut that end, and this is 
way back when we had that talk about Thaddeus Moss. And was that a dirty play? <laughs> that was a sift block. And usually you just cut that guy, cut the end man so he can't make a play on the ball and then just run before he can get there. Hayden Hurst went, I'm not going to cut him. <laughs> and just one of the most vicious pancakes you'll see uh, probably on the entire year for any team. Just absolutely Dex Bud Dupree. Man, that got me going. I hope he doesn't keep hurdling. I hate these hurdles. And he actually went for these hurdles last year a bit. And that's where he ended up with three fumbles on the year for the first time in his career. So I, I kind of hope he just continues to put the shoulder down and try to chug forward for yardage that way. But he's been such a solid tight end that it's hard to say, like, what do you do in the tight end room? He's on a one-year deal. I would say you try to bring him back because he just solidifies the offense and he does everything at least a solid to good level. But you are starting to run into the window of, well, we're going to have a lot of guys to pay. So in my opinion, I think you bring him back. But it's just oof, a lot of guys. Uh, there's uh, And um, I don't know. I, I was just – what I'm thinking about is it, just he's playing above his contract, but – can the Bengals afford to bring him back next year on a better, on a bigger deal? Yeah. And you have to wonder, and again, I always feel like players should take the money always go get your bag. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. This, well, is that, a this is a, this is a, this is a kind of pro it was for Jesse Bates. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing what's best for him. It's, that's yeah. fine. I think we as fans have to be like, you have to dissociate. He doesn't, dislike the team he doesn't dislike it he's giving effort he's making tackles on derrick henry he's running downfield but he he's probably not he's sorry not probably he's definitely not going to be here next year no he's not that's okay he's he's making he's giving us a better shot at the super bowl this season yeah yeah 100 and then but kind of the point i was going to make was yeah always take your money and and maybe this helps hayden hurst get a deal with another team or he's like i want to play with joe burrow and I will take some kind of contract, not a team friendly, because you got to get paid too. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your life in the NFL isn't super long all the time. So you, you want a good deal, but maybe they they figure out a number and, and, and it works for this offense. And it's maybe another one year extension or two uh, to be determined on what that looks like. But yeah, they have a good problem when it comes to some of the extensions that I didn't see before the season. I think Jermaine Pratt is one of them where you're like, Jermaine Pratt is uh, having himself a nice little contract year right now when it comes to that extension talk, which I didn't expect going into this, even though he did make the play of the century when he knocks the ball or when he intercepts the ball in the playoff game. And everybody will always remember that. But Jermaine Pratt, he is having himself a nice little season and it's not quiet either. Um, but, but just kind of moving on with this offense right now, we're going to go to the offensive line. Teddy Karras football. Teddy K. Everybody loves him now. 64 jerseys are probably off the rack at the pro shop at Paycor Stadium. The guy comes off the field. He's he's explosive. He's pumped. He's just says a few things and he's I angry. He's angry. <laughs> he's not the happy Teddy, but he 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 just felt like he you know I didn't I I kind of wanted to know if there was a backstory with Tennessee. Like, well, is there something that maybe we don't know about? I mean, I know they just played a football game. I was so confused, but I loved it because his energy was all there. And I think Bengals fans love everything about that. And obviously it was a huge win, huge road win. Um, but we found out a little more. There was a little more kind of happening with him and Jeffrey Simmons, which isn't surprising at all because we know what Simmons can do. And I saw plenty of Jeffrey Simmons last year in the playoff game. 
Yeah, you didn't really see anything from Jeffrey Simmons before the end of the game, but uh, end of the game, you've got the after the roughing the long snapper penalty, the Bengals are just going to kneel the ball down three times and end the game. Well, I, I guess Jeffrey Simmons took it upon himself to uh, let's just take a few shots. You know, he hits Ted Karras on all three of the of the kneel downs. Uh, one of them, he hits him kind of head, just like. Nah, it's just way over the top on the first kneel down, but whatever. Then the second one, they hit him like low, and it's just like, dude, leave him alone. Then the third one happens, and, you know, he hits him again. Ted finally pushes him back, and then he throws kind of like a open hand strike at him, and it's just like, what is going on? So Jeff Simmons with some Bush League play at the end of the game. He was a sore loser. He couldn't beat Cordell Volson for even one quarterback hit, but – doesn't matter. They end up walking away with a loss. And that I believe is especially why Ted Karras was so fired up. I remember, I remember there being a little bit of scuffle uh, on those kneels and that's one of the reasons I went back to watch. But then I also was reminded of what happened because I saw the video of Ted Karras <laughs> just going crazy about the Titans F the Titans, all sort of stuff. It's like, people are loving it. And I'm like, I think Ted was the guy that was getting real upset on those kneel downs. So I went back to watch because normally I don't even watch those kneel downs other than seeing Trent Taylor do his backflip, which he still did as this fight was going on. He was still doing the backflip, which is hilarious to me. Um, it's it's like the walking into the <laughs> you've got like the fire going on, and then there's just somebody like this is fine, and that's <laughs> that's him doing the backflip. But yeah, I wanted to see what happened, and I I was not overly surprised, but it was good to get confirmation that there was something going on. So I also heard uh, I don't know <laughs> I've heard, I, I've heard Jeffrey Simmons does this type of stuff to a lot of guys. It's just Marshall Yonda didn't was upset with him. Obviously, Quentin Spain last yes. year. Uh, it's, it seems as if he does a lot of this extracurricular stuff. And he also, I believe, is the one – it was like the first play of the game where Samaji Piran dribbles David Long's head off the ground. Um, he comes up and he hits Ted Karras really late, just plows into him. So I think that also fed into it. It's just like very much toes the line on is this just, you know, given a little shot? Is it dirty? <laughs> it's to me, I think it is a little bit at the end there, but who am I to say? I don't watch every Titans game. I'm just judging from this game, I would go, I don't I don't think I'd like to play that guy more than once a year because you could end up with an unfortunate injury. Yeah, and those guys talk. They talk when they're out there. So who knows what what Jeffrey Simmons was saying too, if there was anything additional to what we were seeing kind of at the end on the on the replay of that. But that's just not necessary because you know the game is over and now yeah. you're you're just upset. That's letting emotions, you know, get the best of you. And what I loved about Teddy though is he was pumped. He was just like, like you said, we talked kind of that angry, but kind of excited because you get the win too. And then Zach Taylor talked about it today. And I loved this from Zach Taylor when he said, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he said, Teddy Karras is going to be a legend in Cincinnati. And when they named the team captains, obviously Teddy's coming here as a free agent in the off season. I think people were like, okay, yeah, you're adding to the offensive line. Um, you needed to make a change at center. Uh, Trey Hopkins was playing through an injury most of last year and he just wasn't 
performing that well. Uh, so, you know, people liked the signing. It was great. And then to find out this guy's named a captain, like, wow, he really must be impressing his teammates because you get named captain from your players, your teammates voting for you. And he was one of the guys they felt, you know, really made an impact early on when they're only with each other for those three to four months during that time period. And now we're really starting to see Teddy just makes such a difference, not only in the locker room, but I, I love him as the hype man. People are feeling him when he's all mic'd up on uh, some of the mic'd up social media stuff. He's getting the Hootay chant right at the end of the game. They, they have it think now. He goes, guys, it's think, because they were always saying it wrong. Um, and, and I love it. I think this guy is really just jumped into the city and embraced the fans and uh just just what a what an awesome addition to have in the locker room as a captain and obviously protecting joe burrow too yeah and he played well he a lot of what he did was just you know slide help the titans play a lot of those even fronts so he's not he doesn't have a guy head up over him but uh he played well i thought alice kappa played well cordo volson flashed again it's up and down with volson it's just he didn't give up a quarterback hit to Simmons when he had him, although they gave him help and they got the ball out quick. But there's just there's flashes of Volson doing what he does. And then best player of the game was Jonah Williams uh, on the offensive line. Um, again, again, uh, look, he gets a lot of hate when he doesn't have a good game. Mm-hmm. And then when he has a good game, it feels so quiet. It's just he he's had he's starting to get the two good games in a row that hopefully he could do a third one. I don't think that the Chiefs are I don't think they're terrible at the edge rusher position. I also don't think this is something that he should really struggle that much with, although they have Carlos Dunlap. That's gonna be interesting. I think but this is the first time Dunlap's playing against Cincy since he yeah. left. So um that'll be interesting. And then Frank Clark. He's paid like an elite guy. Uh, he can do it. I just, he hasn't played up to that. And then obviously if Chris Jones, but Chris Jones is on the interior, they'll have to solve that problem inside. Um, but in Lyle Collins, once again, had an okay to solid game. I think this is just what we should expect from him. As we've said, is just, I don't think he's going to be Dallas Lyle Collins this season. I, It's a long season and we've already had the bye week. I don't think we can expect the jump, but if he's going to play at this level where he's a solid right tackle, that's fine. Look, it's kind of wild. And I don't want to look too far ahead when it comes to like revenge and playing Kansas city, because they're a different team this year. And then I feel like Cincinnati is really starting to get it together and they're rolling, but I don't think Lou is going to forget what happened in 2020. And uh, with the Carlos Dunlap stuff. And <laughs> what do you I know think they're going to call a, a, a crack toss on Carlos Dunlap first plays in there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know it's flipped around because he's the defensive coordinator. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I feel like Lou is going to remember everything that happened and what Lou had to deal with in 2020 with his defense. Um, you know, obviously I know, I know they get Logan Wilson and they, they get a better linebacking room, but you know, not even 2020, like his first year here, it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great defensively. Um, and he's, you know, no, but been- Dunlop actually played well his first lose first year. It was weird. And then the second year it just fell off the rails and we all know what happened, but that first year Dunlop had like, nine sacks and he was like a team player helping Hubbard get his seven sacks. It was, it was weird that it's, it went South so quick. Yeah. And people turned 
And, uh, and, that, and that was all she wrote. So when you hear about that defense, but just insane. Uh, I know we, we've talked about it plenty on this podcast and really want to get into PR and drum mix and all that stuff. We'll have another pod out later this week and a preview and prediction too. But there was just so much to talk about offensively, defensively. I think special teams, to be completely honest with you, they have a few things they still need to work on because it hasn't been great all around. Yes, Evan McPherson has looked good. Drew Chrisman has been really great in the last two games. Not easy field conditions when you think of Pittsburgh and in Tennessee and still has been able to perform. And he's still, you know, been a semi-weapon out there, but there's some things they, they got clean up on that uh, special teams unit right now. Yeah, like uh, they didn't have too many, they didn't have that much kick coverage in this game, I don't think. Even that last play of the half or so, they kicked it through the back of the end zone because they were like, well, when, <laughs> to me, I was like, yeah, that makes sense with the kick coverage unit and what they did against Pittsburgh. Um, but then this week, it's the punt return unit isn't doing well. It's it's so weird that I feel like a lot of teams with their special teams issues, it's like, well, our punter is not good or our kicker is not good. And it's like the Bengals are getting good performances from both the punter and kicker, and I'm still upset about the special teams because of everything yeah. else. And, and Travion Williams, I'm all about it. He's I'm all earned in. the kick return job and the RB3 job. Yeah, and, and plenty to talk about when it comes to the running back room. We need to focus a whole segment on it, and we're running over on this podcast, so it'll be later this week. We'll do preview prediction, a huge AFC game, and the NFL coming to town. Home sweet home for Cincinnati, four of six. The back half of the schedule are at home for the Cincinnati Bengals, and this one is against the Kansas City Chiefs, that 425 kickoff. I know you're going to have plenty on all Bengals. What is up there right now? Right now, you can go read the takeaways article, and uh, later this week, I'll have something film-related. I watched both, and I have not I, – I guess I haven't digested enough to know what I'm going to write about. My thoughts are it's going to be less about the game and going to be T. Higgins over the past four weeks. Go check it out, all Bengals. Follow them on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. Great highlights, clips from this past game. Again, Bengals and Kansas City Chiefs coming up. They improved to 7-4 and four on the season. They set a top of the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.